What's up, world? How we doing? How we living? Undeniable perception, episode 134. Brother from the same mother. 134. 134. El baño? I don't know how to rap, dude. El Especially baño? in Spanish, dude. You be rapping like You're not rap gato. in Spanish, throw a line real quick. You be rapping like the gato volador. I'll be hitting you in the I'll be hitting you so hard you call me the violador. Um all I do is cause pain, aka in Spanish, dolor. I don't know. Did that rhyme? rhyme I don't that? know, brother, but hey, welcome, the man. one with the three, you got four, and then you have four, and that was your birthday years that you had. So happy. Oh, that's what it was. Happy huh? 44. Happy Jerry West years. How you feeling, man? I bust through the door waving the 4 4, baby. Waving the 4 4. I like that even better, dog. Yeah, man. Another year, man. Another number. That's, what we, that's how it is. You know, glad to be alive and healthy, you know, and. Just keep on keeping on, man. Did you, did you catch Oppenheimer yet, or are you still postponing? <sighs> did it? I what? Ask me again. Did you postpone it again, or, or did you catch it finally? Did I catch Oppenheimer in all its magnificent glory on IMAX? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% I did. Did you hear the bomb when you were watching Barbie? I got to be a little dramatic on this one, though, man. Vishu is trying to persuade the prince that he should do his duty and to impress him takes on his multi-armed form and says, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. So that was his quote before he pressed the button? No, that was what he said later. That's what he thought about. And they showed it in the movie. That's cool, man. Yeah, man, that movie's fucking, it's his best work. So it's best Christopher Nolan movie now? Yeah, so okay. far, man. So, so it's better than Inception, then? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Okay. For sure. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, man, the fact seeing it in IMAX, it's... Um, because it's more vertical, right? IMAX, because mm-hmm. it's, it's long, right? And a lot to do with the explosion and everything. And you definitely have a, the experience you feel from it. Because, man, the, the, the theater's rumbling. Everything's going through mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, man, it was a... Gut-wrenching experience. It was an extraordinary film, dude. And, like, he, uh, you know, he always plays with time. You know, he always plays with time. And in this film, it's the same way, where there's a certain thing happening at a certain time. And it cuts into another time. And it's, so it's, like, three different time frames going on. Okay, throughout okay. the whole film, breaking through. And it's, uh, yeah, man, I freaking strongly recommend it to anyone. I definitely watch it in IMAX if you can. That's the way to do it, man. I'll catch that shit in a month when I get a babysitter. But that's dope as fuck, man. You, you caught it, dude. I heard people that were watching Barbie actually heard the bomb drop from the Oppenheimer movie. If the theater Nolan was, hit him with that flex, bro. If the theater was next door, You probably. heard that motherfucking bomb. So I was hyped up because my boy saw that shit like the first day it came out and he texted me. He's like, they quoted Prometheus to begin the movie. And I was like, we're in the fucking cosmos, baby. We about to go viral soon. Yeah, man. So that shit hyped me up even hearing that. So I'm surprised you chose to see Sound of Freedom over Oppenheimer. Absolutely, man. But for Sound of Freedom, uh, I have to watch that movie. and, And I'm really happy a movie like that. Came out, and I got plenty of time to watch Oppenheimer. I was going to be in IMAX for like the next month and a half, and and I want to just watch it with Mercy. I want to ex- experience it with Mercy. But, bro, Sound of Freedom was lit as fuck. Bro, shout out to JC, Jim Caviezel. I just realized that's Jesus Christ. JC, yeah. JC. Yeah. I never even put that correlation together. That probably together. is no accident. It probably isn't, bro. That motherfucker is legit. But, yeah, man, it's really cool, dude, that... They actually came out with a movie like this because you know how it was our dad's birthday yesterday, 71 years old, shout out yep, to Pops. Absolutely. And uh, 
when I called him to say happy birthday, he thanked me, and then he said, give the kids an extra hug and, like, always be aware of your surrounding son because this child trafficking shit ain't no joke. Right. And, like, that wasn't the response my dad initially had when I told him about the child trafficking experience I kind of went through with my own family. So, like, by my parents having the exposure of this movie, it's like waking people up to more, to, like, the truth of it, bro. So that's what I really loved about it. And and just the fight that they went through, like, are, were, did you know that this movie was produced by Fox and it was supposed to be released in 2018, but Fox got bought by Disney. So they pretty much kept this movie on the shelf okay. for five years. Like, this shit was done in 2018, ready to be available to the masses. And then Disney was like, nah, we don't want to put it out. And then Angel Studios recently bought it. Okay. So that's why they I distributed came it. out. That's why I barely came out. So they shot, they wrapped the shooting in 2018? Everything was complete, wrapped, finished. Okay. In a box, bro, in 2018, dog. And it was a five-year battle to get everyone out, to get this movie out. And what was really even crazy about the film, well, at the beginning of of the film, like what I was kind of sharing with you on on your birthday, was um, the subliminal things, the subconscious details that they show you, but they don't tell you. So, like... Immediately, the house is green. The person that recruited the little girl that she child traffics is wearing a green dress. Mm -hmm. The first fucking child trafficker guy that they show drinking out of a coffee, the cup is green. But, like, they don't touch, like, hey, beware for green. But I think just subconsciously it's telling people, like, hey, be be aware of this. It's kind of skeptical in a sense if you see it. And, um, And, yeah, man, at the end of the movie... Like, you know, like in Marvel, like when the movie ends, there's like a little special deleted scene and shit. Well, not deleted. You mean it's a post, post-credits, yeah, like a post-credit was, scene. Yeah, something like, yeah. yeah. And like on this one, they had one. And it was just Jim uh, Caviezel talking. And he legit like said everything like this movie was done five years ago. He's like every single person that you see as a name on these credits stood up for something that they believe in. So go watch this movie, blah, blah, blah. Child trafficking has happened. Child trafficking is the biggest um, slavery of all time in all of history. He says 1.2 million children are trafficked every year. And I'm just like, damn, bro. And I imagine a lot of that happens from, like, impoverished countries, too. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. It's it's always the uh, the poor people, man, that freaking uh, get the worst of it, man. It's awful, man. But yeah, shout out to fucking Tim Ballard. That dude is a fucking man, dude. I fucking love that guy, bro. Yeah, I bet, dude. I mean, it's based on his story, right? Yeah, dude. Like, he saved, like, he saved, like, a little kid, right? So pretty much the way the story happened is, like, or, like, the real why this movie was made and why he went out there. So he, like, saved a little kid, like, a little five-year-old boy that got, like, brutally raped a bunch of times by this older guy, blah, 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 whatever. Right. And the little boy tells him, can you help me find my sister? My sister got child trafficked. Mm -hmm. And then they find out that his sister was in Colombia. And, bro, the way he gets up in there, I don't want to give any detail because it's fucking genius the way they do it, bro. But he ends up finding her, man. Got to check it out. Yeah, yeah, man. A lot of good movies have come out, man. Like, so Oppenheimer and Barbie, they had a huge weekend then. I mean, they're, they're... and it's wild, man, because when's the last time you've seen such a big fuzz over, especially two films that come out at the same time? Mm-hmm. So that's good, man. It's a good thing. The uh, 
But Oppenheimer, man, speaking of, you know, it's just awful, man, of course, the, the atomic bomb, man. But the, uh, speaking of Japan, you know, I just booked my flight to go to Japan. So, oh, nice. So that'll be, that'll be happening sometime soon. So I'm stoked on that. So when you, who are you going with? Going myself. You're going to Japan by yourself? Yeah, absolutely, man. What? Yeah. So that'll be coming sometime soon. So I'm looking forward to it. So now I'm starting to plan, like, which cities am I going to hit up? Yeah. You know, but I definitely want to go to uh, uh, Hiroshima and all that to see, you know, all that stuff, man. Because that's, that's fucking awful, man. It's going to be one of the worst things ever in life. Hiroshima? Um, that's dope as fuck. What made you want to choose Japan over any other country? Because I know you've only been to Mexico. I've been jonesing for Japan for a while. Well, I've been to Italy. Uh, oh, that's even, right. No, I've been jonesing to go to Japan for some time, man, because... Uh, well, the great Anthony Bourdain would always say that Japan was one of his favorite play countries to visit. That it was kind of like almost like going and doing acid for the first time because mm-hmm. everything's so far Powerful. out there and advanced and just cleaned up and just like the amount of entertainment and care and creativity that's in the country. So, you know, and I want to hear nothing but great things. So that's why I decided to go there. So, that's yeah, that. when are you flying out? Uh, in a few months. So, How yeah, long? Man, a few months. A month? Uh, no. What the fuck? A month? No, man, a month would be, like, insane. Too much money to spend out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably, like, a good 12 days around there. Good shit, bro. So, yeah, man, so I'm stoked, man. I'm looking forward to the man. Shit, and fucking, um, yeah, my boy and I went to uh, at a Korean barbecue because that's, uh, that's our, we do this a third year. We do it, right, anniversary. Uh, we do it for my birthday usually. So we went to Park's Korean barbecue again. I uh, went there on, uh, on Monday. And it was great, man, but it didn't hit me right this time. Jack, maybe it was the uh, the steak tartare I got. I gotta find out if he's cool. But man, it hit me for the last few days, and I was like, "It's not gonna ruin the the uh, the um, the ritual that we do every year." And I'm gonna keep going, but kind of put a little damper on it, you know? Oh, so you go to the same restaurant every year? Yeah, Parks Korean Barbecue got in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Koreatown, in LA. Got it, got it. Can't be fucking with that swine, dog. That swine will fuck you up, bro. That swine, that swine, they eat the I don't think we ordered any swine. We did uh, just steak, steak tartare, and we did that bigobi beef. Okay, okay. I hear Korean I barbecue, and I just think pork, dog. I immediately no, think no, pork. No, they have a mixture of all kinds of stuff. Yeah, like yeah. Like you yeah. the vegetable stuff and all that, dude, man. That's good, man. But, man, that was a good, pretty good breakfast we had that day, too, man. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, dude, absolutely. More, more than anything, you know, it's the company. It's always that that makes the... Uh, the food tastes better, dude. Yeah, man, that's a that's a top three spot for and me. And then what made you let Zeke have that soda right right from the start? You were like, "Fuck it, man, we celebrating. He wants to have it right now. I'll give it to him right now." It was just, it was just, yeah, it's just so everyone got to have a good time. But I, I didn't want to do it, and I immediately regretted it. And the thing that I hate most about it is like the way I respond to how my son reacts to it when it's like not even his fault. Him. Yeah. yeah, and it's like. I'm being mad at you for bouncing off the walls, but there's a reason why you're bouncing off yeah. the walls. Yeah, for so that's sure. why I need to check myself and I remind myself, like, you know, you gave, you're setting your son up for failure with this shit. So just check yourself. I just need to make sure that I'm in a better headspace if I give my son a fucking drug like that. You yeah, feel well, me? because he's responding the way he, his, his body's supposed to naturally respond. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> and his brain, it's like yeah, this. Even us, that drink, if we get some sugar, we get a little hype. You know, so imagine a little kid. Yeah, absolutely. That's tough. But he enjoyed it, man. Everything was cool, man. It was, yeah. it was a good time, dude. And then later on, after, it was another great time, too, man. He was out there playing the Wii. Mm-hmm. The Mario Kart, man, with the steering wheel. Oh, man, that shit was legit, man. He was yes, loving sir. that. Even yes, I sir. did one race, and I was getting hooked. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, okay. A little tiny steering wheel. I know, yeah. Brought back the Wii, bro. That's hey, tennis man. game. 
But also, man, nothing compares to you, man. Rest in peace, Sinead O'Connor. Oh, yeah. And that, 56. 56, man. So I was like, oh, okay, you know how, how that what happened. Or I don't know the details. How hard is that? I don't know the details. Um, I didn't read up on it, but I was like, you know, let me go back. Well, let me, you know, how it is when someone passed away. You're like, oh, man, from my childhood, right? Because I used to always play that song all the time. That's the one Conor McGregor came out to, right? She's the one she sang. That's why I know who she is. Cause yeah, because she's Irish. That's yeah. a Conor McGregor. Yeah, yeah. So she, um, you know, she, uh, her biggest hit was nothing compares to that was written by Prince. Prince actually wrote that song like five years before she released it. Mm. Right? So she, uh, so it like but she made freedom. it a fucking, <laughs> she made it a fucking. Anthem, stadium anthem. Huge, man. And um, so I was like, oh, and today I was like, oh, let me just rewatch the video. And man, that just brought me back. So when I was a kid, because it was released in 1990, so, so I was 10. Oh, 90. I was 10, you know, when that song came out, 10 becoming 11. And that made me start thinking about all the, uh, because watching all the images from the video, because it's an iconic video because it's just her face. Mm-hmm. She had a very beautiful face, you know, big eyes, petite face. And it was like, all she is just staring straight into the camera with some little transitions of edits, like which is like her walking by herself or, you know, some statues. Uh, and that's all it is, and it's just her face, and she actually cries in the video because the song is so powerful. The uh, I mean, we think back when I was a kid, you know, watching that, that video as a kid, listening to the song, and then we think about those ideas of the inception of ideas, right? Like, because at the at the time I look back, and obviously it's just a memory of a memory of a memory, but hearing the, those songs, right, and they're like very very uh, sad lyrics, and I started thinking about when I was a kid thinking about that stuff like this idea of like oh what's it gonna be like being with people and dating people mm-hmm. and falling in love and getting heartbroken and all that stuff and all these ideas you romanticize as a kid right so I started thinking about the inception of thoughts you know like once of when it started hitting us first with the idea of death right when we're mm-hmm. kids like do people die like this ends right like whatever we're living like or the feelings of like joy and fun, and when does the joy and fun stop? Because when I look at my my nieces and nephews, especially your two little ones, right? I look at them, and all they know is like, get up, do stuff, right? Get up, eat. Mama takes us somewhere. We'll go do this. We'll go read some books. Mm-hmm. We're gonna right now on the tower. We're gonna go play in the water with friends. Do all this other stuff, and that's all they know right now. You know, and they come home, and dad but they don't know what work is. They don't know what any of that is yet. So it makes me more fascinating to see, like, when does that first occur? When you start thinking about, like, oh, now there's some discipline. I have to do this. I have to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, is there anything that pops up in your head when you think about the inception of an idea that now we know, but the first time it hit you Yeah, like, kid? well, not as a kid. I can't think of it, but, like, being a parent firsthand and, and mm. seeing, like, a okay. child from the first breath they take to them crying to the first steps they take to eventually like every single milestone that they accomplish is one less thing they need their parents for. So it's kind of like a bittersweet moment in a sense that that's kind of like a dead moment. Like, like dad's dead to me when it comes to this subject, because I don't need him for that. Mm. So like the me taking my son's shoes off is something I don't ever do anymore because he does it on his own. So that, a part of me died with that in a sense. But like from what I've seen with children, bro, like when you take something away from them, in a sense, it's kind of them experiencing death because they immediately cry and they think their world's going to end. 
So I think that's like a, a little coming attraction of what's to come later on in the future from, from what I've seen or like when my son Zeke first broke it. One of his first four Buzz Lightyears, when he yeah, broke yeah, his head, head off, yeah. he was devastated. He was crying. Right. He was sad. He wouldn't want to play with any other toys to the point where wifey and I had to super glue his head back on there, and then he was happy again. Right, right, right. So I think they do kind of experience it, but they don't necessarily ex- experience it dead itself, like death itself, but I think a, a fragment of it. Yeah. I think so. Um but for me, experiencing death for the first time, I was, I was fucking 10 years old, 11 years old. I was drowning. I was about to die. So that's when I was like, fuck, I'm going to die. I'm never going to live again. And I remember just grabbing Nico's ankle like, nah, bro, I don't want to fucking die. And then yeah. Mexican Miguel saving my life. Yeah, man, that's wild, man. Like when you, like, because I almost drowned too when I was a young kid. Because we didn't grow up with pools. We didn't grow up with any of that. Yeah. And it was also at, like at a relative's house. Or else yeah. you'd be like, oh, I'm really going to make it, you know? It's like, it's just. You had to hold the rails. Like, you just, like, you know, you start patting like a dog or whatever. You're finding it. But it's like at the point where you get out. Or maybe it was just anxiety, right? And thinking, who knows? if I was, But it was like, it, it sped up losing my breath and all that more. Because yeah, you're like, bro. start panicking. Yeah. Because it's too, you're too young to know what it's like to relax. You know what it's like to relax. You know, at a moments of. Anxiety, moments of panic, moments of fear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, dude, kids naturally know how to swim, man. Like, my son floats. And I'm just like, I've never floated once in my life. And you're already floating. Right. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's wild, bro. The, the thing that I've been, like, practicing and I, and I you know, forget, so I got to keep reminding myself time and time again. And we've touched on this before, but the thing that I've been practicing more is slowing things down. Mm-hmm. In any experience, right? Yes. But the thing that I could kind of touch more base on would be the idea of listening, like the experience of listening to a song or the experience of, of watching any kind of form of entertainment or like a movie, right? Because and I guess I could describe it like this more, right? Like sometimes we'll, we'll listen to a song and be like, oh, whatever, because we're so exposed to so much music and then we could run through another song immediately, right? And we don't appreciate everything that goes into making that song, right? But if it's a, any song, even if it's a song that we may not like, but we, like, or we know that it's a good song, if we just stop and just, okay, let me be completely objective, listen to this, and you listen to everything that goes into the making of it, the instrumentation, the lyrics, the way it's sung, the background, the way it's, the way it's, um, not the background, apologies. Yeah, and he, like if it be background vocals, how many layering of instruments there is. A melody. But if you sit there and you just, it, and you just slow it all down to yourself, then you can be like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Even when I think it's good, but you're appreciating it. Like, cause that's why when, like, when you watch a certain film and you may watch it one time, you're like, oh, whatever, it sucked or this or whatever. But if other people like it and then you hear them describing it, then you say, like, damn, okay, I didn't pick up on that last time. Or the way they said that, and I can respect it, even if I may not like the film. But everything that goes into making that, right? Like the lighting, the, you know, like how did they decide to do the, the, the dialogue in the section, in the scene? Why was the camera pulling into this? Man, it's just it's slowing everything down, man. And that's what you do in your life right? when you're talking to someone. You're slowing it down, you know. Then you really engage in the conversation or listen to them. So, yeah, man, that's what I'm trying to focus on, man, is just slowing everything down. 
That's good, man. So have you practiced that when you drive? Because that's a big opportunity we might have. So like, and when someone's driving slow, there could be a reason to that, not honking at them. I, I, so remember that I next don't, time. I don't care. I can't remember last time I honked at anyone. You? Me? I last re- time I, I honked. I honk at people when, when they reverse when they shouldn't. I think I honked at someone like a couple of days ago. But I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Like, you missed this parking spot. Like, I already passed it and you're reversing. Like, stop it. Yeah. Like, I, I did that. But do you know why? Which it would, I mean, I, I gave myself a break if I do get upset when I drive. Because do you know why we get so upset when we're driving? And sometimes we get mad at ourselves that we got upset. But there's, there's a. a what? There's a natural reason why, because when we're driving, it, it's a high-stakes situation, even though we're not thinking about it that way. It is, because we're going at the speed, whatever the speed the car we're driving at, we're going at that speed, right? And anything could cause us to crash, you know, that could lead to injury or death. So we're like in a high-altered state of alertness, you know, even if we're already so used to it, that's why we don't think about it that way. That's why when someone, like, seems like it's, like, getting in our way, causing us some kind of danger then we react that way like what the fuck you know and it's not because we're impatient but it's valid reason because we're in a high altered state you know mm. that's why so when i heard that explanation i was like oh it makes sense so it's okay to get upset it's not about being like road rage and fucking overreacting fucking hitting someone but that's where you learn how to calm down and be better at it but don't get upset with you if you react though because you're supposed to be at the high altered state you know mm. is that fact the whole thing, like the whole yeah, time it's a high altered state. Because I feel well, pretty relaxed when I drive. Yeah, because you're used to it. But you're yeah. in a high altered state. That's why you're visualizing whatever's happening. If something happens, you react right away. You're mm-hmm. on your P's and Q's because a part of your brain takes over. But we're so used to doing it. But that's a high altered state you're at. Because mm-hmm. you need to be. Because if you're like slugging it or whatever. Like working out. You know? Yeah. Okay, okay. I hear you. That's interesting. That's interesting. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, man. Yeah, get bro. with it. There's, so I finally picked up um, this book, my my Chipetto. I call him my Chipetto, bro, because he's like my guiding light. Okay. Chipetto recommended to me, um, Power versus Force, man, by by David R. Hawkins, man, the, the MD, uh, PhD. So pretty much like he's he's famous for creating this this conscious chart that that is rated from a scale of one to a thousand of like truth to like falsehood okay um so pretty much like in a nutshell man let me let me let me give it to you what what this is about so and this is from the book that i that i wrote down just so i could break it down so the testable phenomenon used to calibrate human levels of consciousness so that arbitrary logarithmic scale of whole numbers emerges stratifying the relative powers of level of consciousness in all areas of human experience specifically from the realization of the observability of one owns thoughts and motivations and their transparencies over time that that one every thought and action leave an indelible trace forever in the universe and can be an unsettling thought and then uh, despite our mistrust and simplification, we may see two general classes of people in the world. So we have the believers and the non-believers. So pretty much to the non-believers, everything is false until proven true to the believers. 
everything said in good faith is probably true unless, it's, unless it is proven false. So pretty much the pessimistic position of cynical skepticism stems from fear and the more optimistic manner of expecting information arises from self-confidence. Either style works and each has its pros and cons. And pretty much David R. Hawkins was faced to create, to present the data behind these problems mm -hmm. and to satisfy both approaches. Okay. So that's pretty much what it's about. So you got your believers, your non-believers, you have people that lead with power, you have people that lead with force. So somewhere in that grand scheme, we have a certain level of consciousness that we're we're typically tapping into and and, and depends on where we're at in our level of life, it's pretty much gonna dictate. Pretty okay. much dictate it. So so I'm really intrigued to see it, man, because it's very difficult already reading it, but but I'm intrigued by it because even Patrick Bet David has a YouTube about it where he's like, I had to read this book three times to understand it. Power versus force. Power versus force. Yeah. All right. So it's a so so far it's a good read. Yeah, so far it's a good read, man. I just I've old, just read the about first. Like Forty years old. It's been around for a minute, right, Dr. Hawking? Yeah, this study he did this study for about thirty years, so I think it came out like in two thousand. Something like that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, man. Well, nice, man. I'm glad you picked up that book from uh, Geppetto. Yes, sir. Yes, now, sir. You pronounce it Geppetto, right? Geppetto, baby. Have you caught that? Uh, have you caught that De La Hoya documentary? Yeah, man. Thanks for bringing that up. I forgot about it. Uh, I got 20 minutes left on the second episode. There's only two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two would parts. You, would you? You finished it? Obviously? Yeah. What'd yeah. you think about it? Uh, well. Before I started watching, I made sure to, to check. Well, who are the producers, right? Who produce who produces this crew? Yeah. So to see like uh, that's the fishnets. Well, I don't know all the names, but I know Mario Lopez, who was one of his close friends. He's a producer. Okay. You know, and I was like, oh, okay, so it's gonna be obviously controlled by De La Hoya, which is fine. But I just wanted to know the in with what intention I'm gonna go in there watching this. What's gonna be released? What is not? Because you know he's gonna control the narrative of it, right? I mean, is it just another, like, uh, chess move by him, right? To be like, oh, I want people to see the, me in this light or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, man, it's still, because, you know, watching it from that perspective, still good because they went into some shits, man. I lost count of how many uh, children he has throughout watching the documentary. Yeah. Yeah, he's got two with his, three with his. He's This he's other Zach baby Brooks, mama, guy. this, this, that. I'm like, I don't know how many fucking kids he has. But, uh, yeah, man, it just brought me back, too. So, like, watching him because... Uh, you know, an an uh, up alumni, his uh, Chris, his mom worked with his dad, De La Hoya's dad, and I remember that's where he got we got his autograph. Oh, that's right. that's right, that's he right. He went there to the to the job. He went yeah. to the job and signed autographs and all that. The uh, but yeah, it brings it back, man. The gold medal, but all this whole story. And I won't give it away. What happens at the second part? Because you want to watch the whole thing, but a lot comes out too. I was like, oh, so more came out than I thought was going to yeah. come out. Yeah, I was really happy about well, it was that. Well made. I was really happy about him opening up to that and like being honest about about some of his truth because I know that part about the fishnets, him saying that shit was fake. I don't think that shit was fake, dog. Now hearing that he produced it, I don't believe you, Delahoya. Like that shit wasn't photoshopped, right? <laughs> but but what I liked most about it was the truth that he had about the fake ass story that he made up about his mom. Oh, okay. And 
and it's so fucking sad because of what he said. Is like my mom would beat the fuck out of me. She wouldn't be my sister. She wouldn't be my brother, but she would just beat me right. to the point that I wouldn't even react to it. I wouldn't even cry to it. It was broken already. So when my mom died and I was on the verge of like becoming a good boxer, I wanted her to have a relationship with my mom, so I made up the story. Yeah, that's wild, huh? And it just coughed because he just made it It made up. sense, bro. It's so wild because he made it up on the spot in an interview. Just to have a relationship with her. It made me so sad because it's like, bro, yeah. like this woman carried you for nine months. A connection, you know, a connection yeah, and, a, and a motivation for him. so bad, And a bro. motivation for himself that kind of just kept pushing him, but it's still a lie. It's still a lie. and uh, Which weighs you down, man. Yeah, man. He's a, like Zach said, he's a compulsive liar. And you could tell, bro. Like, you could tell the way he speaks, the way he acts. Like, when he would talk shit to Dana White, you don't pay fighters, this and that. Bro, are you serious? It's just promoter talk, dude. Yeah. But, like, also when he, yeah, it's crazy because, like, you could tell why he fucked so many bitches because he never had, like, that mother love. So, like, when that chick said that that she got raped and he said, oh, I don't remember because I had sex with 500 women after you. I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about right now, De La Hoya? Well, that's what his legal team said. Yeah, I was like, what the yeah. fuck? And so the part that really pissed me off, though, was his dad. Because his dad never had the courage to kind of, like, have a conversation with his kids about the mom dying. No, it was just like, let's move on. Yeah, it's like, like, let's move on. You deal with it on your own context, whatever. And like De La Hoya said, he's like, I don't have a relationship with, like, really with my siblings. Yeah. He's like, I don't know how to talk to them. He's like, I could express myself to strangers, but not with my family. Yeah, well, that's what I was with a lot of people when you don't have, a lot of times you you express yourself more to strangers because there's no weight behind it, you know, because with family, they've known you when you were young, their whole life, you were a kid you become naked with them. With strangers, you can share more because there's nothing behind that, you know? Yeah, man. There's nothing they could really judge you with. The uh, And also about him, man, it's like, um, yes, also he's got such an addictive personality with everything, right? Yes. Addiction, man. Like party and work Women, hard, play hard. Keep going. He, was, he doesn't deal with stuff. He's like, oh, let's move on. Let's go on. And that's why he never deals with anything the way he left his first wife. That was wild, man. The way he left her, dude, that was fucking brutal. For the fucking singer? Yeah. Yeah, man. She was a down chick for him, and too. And he got married right away with her, too. Oh, yeah. She saw him on um, the Grammys, the Latin Grammys. Yeah, on TV. Yeah, dude. So it's my what? husband with another lady at the Grammys. <laughs> yeah, he just moves on. Yeah, it was just like a continue, closure. Continue to move on. It's just, it's, just, it's just keeping going, keeping going, seeking the next thing, seeking the next, next thing, man. Yeah, man, just seeing him out there, it was man, he put it out there, man. He put some permission out there, man. Yeah, he did, man, and that shit's crazy. And it made me think about, like, it was cool, like, the whole conversation we had on, on your birthday with our parents and, like, pops right. sharing experiences that he had as a childhood and, like, just asking my dad questions to have him think about it, like, damn, you're right, mijo. So, like, when I asked him, like, about grandma, I was like, oh, did grandma always, like, talk to grandpa a certain type of way? And, right, you know that And did grandpa oh, ever stand up for himself? And he's like, he never nah, did. he's just passive. And I don't think my dad ever heard that because I saw the look in his eye because he thought about it. And he was like, he had that, that aha moment. He was like, right. 
Like I saw him twitch, and I'm like, I, I yeah, touched the nerve right yeah, there. Yeah, because no one, well, you brought a revelation to him because, like, no one talked to her that way. So his, if his dad didn't talk to her that way, no one did. What makes him he's going to talk to How your kid's going to talk to you that you way? You know, how's he going to talk to her that way, dude? So, so it's, it's really, it, it makes me happy because I have a really good relationship when, when my primas and, like, forgot what we're, what I posted and, like, my prima hit me up talking about a specific book and how this specific book helped her get out of, like, an, an abusive relationship mm -hmm. and helped her get get through trauma, this and that. And I told her, I was like, you're amazing and great job on, on expressing yourself, sharing your story because you broke a curse because of that. You know, if, if you would have stayed quiet like Oscar De La Hoya's dad, you'd be having an Oscar De La Hoya right now. You feel me? So, so that's what's real cool about conversations like that. Well, yeah, man, it's just, uh, it's just everyone has their own, their own battle, man. Like when you keep bringing, like you brought up De La Hoya's dad, it's like, what was his upbringing like? Yeah, it was probably horrible. Like, oh, what he said, he was like, we were in a tree, or what did they say? They would just hit you, or yeah, it was you just you just known to get beat, you know. So it's just like you keep you keep repeating it, and when you come here from another country, and all you do is work, also, there's no time to deal with with this shit. Ain't no conversation. You know, you're just like, hey man, I gotta just work, and then they next thing you do, you're married, and then you have children, and you start repeating that to them. Yeah, you know, it just becomes a fucking a cycle, man. It just that's how it is, man. A vicious cycle. Fucking ceiling fan, man. But nonetheless, in the La Jolla, though, man, as a uh, as a boxer, man, a great boxer. It reminded you that he he fought fucking everybody. Yeah, well, he didn't duck anyone. Canelo, no, I'm sorry, Canelo, you're never gonna touch his legacy. I'll say that right now, bro. Uh, well, I have to disagree with you there, man. Canelo doesn't duck anyone either, man. And Canelo's a better boxer than La Jolla. Nah, bro. Oh, for sure. Nah, bro. Oh, we'll disagree I'm a, on that I'm one. I'm going to give it to De La Hoya, dude. Like, for him to fight Fernando Vargas, juice the fuck out in his prime when De La Hoya was in the... I remember that. Yeah, it was good. I, we watched it out of Jose's house. I remember I was very passionate about it because he, he called him a fake Mexican because he was yeah. light-skinned. Yeah, yeah. And I got passionate. I was like, what? Yeah, he would Excuse keep... Excuse me? He would just be like, oh, because I look like this, I'm more Mexican and I'm this. Yeah, and I'm like, get the fuck fuck out of here with that stigma. Yeah, bro. man, that was an incredible fight, but no, man, I'll disagree with you there. I think Canelo's definitely a better boxer, and uh, the Canelo's never ducked anyone either, man. Bro, and to, like, beat Trinidad and get fucked like that, I like the fact that he even says, fucking Don King shit, Don King shit. I landed, I landed a hundred more punches. Oh, yeah, dude. Don he, King uh, shit. <laughs> he, he beat him, dude. He just took a couple of the last rounds out, and because that, they punished him. And that motherfucker fought Bernard Hawkins, who was the best fucking boxer at and the era. Up, and moved up on weight. Dude, that's what I'm talking about. De La Hoya, you the man, bro. Yeah, he got, he beat Mayweather. No, nah, he didn't. I know but, you disagree uh, with that, he, too. He definitely did not. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, I was going for De La Hoya, but... But yeah, man, he didn't duck anyone. But it was one of those things also, like, with De La Hoya, where, like, seeing all this background of him and because he was so well protected, you know, with all the information that was let out. Right? There's always, like, talkers about this and rumors. But this is before Instagram and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, now that you hear all this background story, you're like, man, he could have been even greater if he didn't have all this shit, you know? Yeah, bro. Partying constantly in some of the camps he was drinking. Like, when he fought Pacquiao, that's why uh, Roach would always say that. I was like... Pacquiao's gonna beat him. He's like, I'm a, he's a, De La Hoya's a part time boxer. Yeah. And he was that's right. right. Manny Pacquiao was smaller and he, and he beat him. Yeah, Demolished man. him, you know? Like, did, well, he didn't come out of his corner, right? Yeah, I he remember that. Fight. I remember watching that at Christmas. Freddie Roach was like, yeah, he's a part time boxer, dude. He's in, there's no chance. And then he called it. And then we didn't know all this shit. 
you know, during that time. Well, because he was way bigger than him. So yeah, but Pacquiao was Pacquiao been juiced the fuck out. Let's be real. I don't know about that. Uh, he could be just natural, but I mean, he could be too. But yeah. I don't think it was ever caught or anything. Nah, it wasn't. Ever, they never took blood tests. That's why Mayweather never fought him. Mm. Yeah. So who knows, man? Maybe, maybe so. I can't rule it out. Uh, but yeah, man. But yeah, he never ducked anyone, man. He was one of the great boxers out there, man. But he could have been even greater. Yeah, man. Still a Hall of Fame career, man, for sure. Definitely. And like, it, it reminded me because I was talking to my boy the other day, and I was like, "Yeah, Delahoy's got a bunch of kids." And I was like, it made me, it reminded me of the Mike Tyson quote that it's better to be good than to be great. Because when you're a good man, you're a good man. But when you're a great, when you're great, you're not good. So pretty much in order to become great, you need to sacrifice a lot of important things. Delahoy was never with his kids because he sacrificed to be great. So that's why he's not a good man. And, like, when his son was talking, his oldest one, like, the sloppy, he's all sloppy. He never had a father figure growing up. He's like, people will call me spoiled, this and that, because Oscar De La Hoya is my dad, but I've only seen my dad once. And I'm just like, fuck. That shit ripped my heart out. I felt so bad. I'm like. Yeah, because I was raised by him through YouTube. Yeah, dude. Through his fights. Yeah. Like, I would think, is my daddy okay? Like, what the? Yeah, but that is definitely a uh, a um, a very potent statement, man. Because you could definitely run through a long list of people th- of stories that we know about. And who knows about the people's stories we don't know about? But the ones we do know about that have done gone and great done great things. All that comes with a lot of sacrifice and a lot of time. It's that that time with the family. That's a big part of it. That's a big. You know, and like the whole, like the freaking... Um, you kind of sacrifice shit that way, dude. It's scary. Yeah, because in order to be so great at something that requires so much of your time, it takes away the time from someone else. The time you give your kids. Yep. That's some wild shit, it's man. It's a fucking... Yeah, dude. It's fucking crazy, bro, to think about it like that. But isn't... Uh, and I know you wanted to talk about this, so we'll go into this transition this way. Isn't LeBron James supposed to be a really good dad, and he's one of the greatest of all time in basketball? So maybe it could flip, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's not all, that's not the same thing for everyone's story. But you wanted to touch on his son. So what happened? Did what he did have, like, you cardiac think? Cardiac arrest? I only really read that he had a cardiac arrest. Yeah, man. Like for me, like I wasn't surprised by it. Like I think this is like the new normal now, and and it sucks because there's a lot of young kids that shouldn't be having heart attacks, shouldn't be having myocarditis, shouldn't be going through cardiac, shouldn't be having blood clocks. And this is becoming more and more normal. And the crazy thing about it is like, we're only hearing this from celebrities, from higher ups, influencers. We're not hearing it from poor people, people in our community. Because what's happening in our community, what's happening to the poverty, what's happening to the, those people. And that's the thing that, that scares me because I know a lot of young kids, I know two kids right now that are young. They're in their early 20s that have heart problems right now too. So it just makes me very skeptical about things. And, and I just really hope that since this kind of like touches home to like one of the most influential, Im- important influencers in the world that has a huge voice, I hope maybe this kind of like 
brings up more of a conversation like, hey, you know, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. I'm just, I'm just hoping for, for the sake of people's mind and, and consciousness and, and decision-making in the future. But I don't even know exactly what happened. So yeah, he had like a minor, minor. So he was just arrest. in practice for 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 his USC. Uh-huh. So he's in USC, and uh, during practice, um, he went into cardiac arrest. Okay. So they took him to ICU, and then they sent him home that same night. So he's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, like, I, I mean, I have to push back on this idea. They say it's the new normal because if it was the new normal, wouldn't that mean that? I don't know, just throw a percentage out there, like 85% of the athletes will be going through this, and it's such a small percentage, so I wouldn't say it's a new normal. I think still a very, very minuscule percentage that may mm-hmm. have this. I think they're pushing it to make it look like the new normal. It's not normal at all. They're trying to push what? I'm sorry. That it's normal to have blood clocks at, like, your 30s. It's normal to have, like, oh, I, Who's heart pushing attacks. that? I haven't heard that. Heard it's just that. all the reports that I'm seeing, like... Oh. Yeah, man. So it's it's not a normal thing for an 18-year-old top caliber athlete to go into cardiac arrest at 18 years old. No, but what I'm saying is that it's an abnormality. So it's like, and it just happens to be him. You know, like if it was a, a normal thing, then it'd be like so many 18-year-olds that have it. So it's really a, a thing that just, it's just, and we just happen to know because in the spotlight, we know what happened to him. Mm-hmm. You know, but like, but think about it, man, just the way our bodies function. It's, it's, it's really a miracle, you know? So I think the fact that more shit doesn't go wrong with us, that's what I find to be the miracle. I think the fact that we expect to always be like, oh, good, nothing goes wrong with us. And when something does go wrong, oh, man, that's off. No, it just seems like shit breaks down sometimes, man. It's odd. The way that our, our synapses fire and everything, dude, like mm. the fact that we're up and walking and can do all this shit is insane, dude. So I think when something like that happens to someone, it's just... A, re- a reminder of like, man, how fortunate we are that that's not happening to us or other people. Because I know LeBron did come out and say like, I'm vaccinated and my whole family is too. Uh-huh. So that's why those, that's why so you those can throw thoughts, it out there possibly could be. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping LeBron James talks about that because he did come out and say that. And that's in the, that's in everyone's minds. That's in everyone's thoughts. And what about those people that got influenced by LeBron to get vaccinated? So that's still a, a, a hot topic, I take it. Then it's like, a huge the, hot the, topic. The link you're, ta- you're talking, I'm guessing here, but you're, you're referring to like I'm referring the, the to link. him getting cardiac arrest because he got vaccinated. The link between the vaccination yeah, and a that. Young kid. Okay, he got be it. Had going through that. Got he's it. Too fucking young. But kids prior to vaccinations have had that happen to them and had cardiac arrests. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not ruling it out or saying that there's no link to it, but I just. I don't think it's also like a new thing, you know, like like your hand gathers. Yeah. No, that I mean dude, he died on the court. Nah, that oh no. You're, I'm talking about hand gathers. Uh, I'm talking about Lynn Bias. I was like, that was no, 99.9 no. pure. Hand, hand gathers died on the court, man. Yeah. You know, and he was a healthy kid. No, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, and I'm just saying that because the basketball players thinking of mine. But who knows, man? But I think it's uh it's important to put a spotlight on this yeah. to get more research, right? To really find out. Yeah. Because there's nothing more important than being that. Well, there's nothing more sad and, embar- and also embarrassing if you have the, the capability of getting it, of being uninformed, right? Yeah. And not getting the information. Get the information. Yeah. And then you make your own decision. Well, don't hide Absolutely. shit. That's all we're asking for. Don't hide shit. Absolutely. What's the man. truth? And we can make an informed decision. Yeah. That's all, that's all, all we need, man. But right. I just feel like we, we don't get the whole truth should be sugar-coated at times, and that's what makes people more skeptical. 
That's what makes me question more. I think we're at an all-time high of not trusting anyone, right? Like, I don't Shouldn't. trust any news source now. I don't trust government Like, I don't trust any news source now, man, because yeah. they've been caught so much when they're lies, especially red-handed, and even then they don't admit it. Yeah, even then. Right? <laughs> it's like, it's like, come on, man. What the fuck? Yeah, it's You can't even wild. just admit it now? <laughs> yeah, bro. That's why we just listen to podcasts now. Or we just listen to a person Correct. that comes up, a YouTube channel. I trust you more, dog. Y'all right, because there's no one backing them, right? They ain't got because no money like that. Because yeah. it's not like, oh, I, I owe this to someone or I have a corporation behind me. Absolutely. So it's like, they're just, and that's what makes it great that the fact that this technology is out there, mm-hmm. the pluses and the negatives, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, man, and, uh, well, I think fucking on that, man, what do you want to take us with, man? Take, I'm a, I'm you have something you, on your mind. No, I'm going to take it. Well, it's at 44 right now. That's funny. Um, this weekend, so we got the two oh, biggest, yeah, we have yeah. the biggest boxing fight. Well, next to Ngannou versus Tyson Fury, but second biggest boxing fight this year, Earl Spence versus Terrence Crawford, bro. Who you got? I got Terrence Crawford. Okay. He's going to win. I got Crawford too, man. Yeah, he I should like win. He already gets hit. That motherfucker he doesn't knocks get people hit, out he when he doesn't he get hit, bro. Yeah. Isn't he from, from Cali, IE? Or is he from Arizona? I could have sworn he was no, from the IE. Terrence Carver's from out of state, I believe. Oh, my bad. I thought he was from the IE. or Maybe he moved to the IE or something. I could be wrong. But also, what about the UFC fights? They're, they're not going to be as good, you think? He's from Nebraska. Oh, Nebraska. My bad. Nebraska. Might as well be the IE. Springsteen album. Uh, nah, this is the best fight card of the year. Damn, so you're gonna. This is the best fight card of the is year. Is fighting? Yes, main main event. Who's he taking on? He's gonna fight um uh, 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 the the guy um the knockout dude um fuck Gaethje Justin Gaethje. Didn't they fight once already? They fought once, yes, and Dustin Poirier beat him. Beat him, right? Okay, and then it's a pretty stacked card, isn't it? Also Pereira, he's fighting as a light heavyweight, right? Pereira. So I got it right here. Um, yeah, so I got, who do you got on that? I got Pere, I got um, Poirier versus Gaethje. Yeah, so do I. And then the next one would be, oh, shit, my bad. Hold on, hold on to your fucking. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, Pereira versus Jan Blokovic. Blokovic. Okay. I got Jan on that fight. So do I. You got Jan? Yeah. I think Jan's going to knock him out. And what's bro. the third one? Because it's another good Fucking Wonderboy Thompson. Oh, shit, I've seen that guy in a minute. Versus uh, Michael Pereira. I got I got Wonder Boy on that one. Okay, that guy's tough, but I got Wonder Boy too. And then speaking of the IE, Bob, Bobby Green, baby. That guy's true against Ferguson? Yes. I, I got Bobby Green, bro. I think Ferguson's not the same anymore. Oh, Bobby Green. Bobby Green's a four to one favorite. But I love, I love to boy. see I love to see Kukoi win. And then the to start it, the other brother from the IE, baby. That's free. Yeah, dude. That's Kevin Holland, baby. So Kevin Holland versus Michael. Chelsea. So he's finally back. Chiesa. Chiesa. What is cool ass Tiger Tat? Fucking, that's going to be good, man. But the boxing match is going to be good. But I'll be out of dinner that night. So I'm going to be at Ryan's, but I'm going to take off probably like at 6 59, get home by like 7 45 and right just for the stream. main event. Hell yeah. Stream. Well, the boxing fight is going to be on at like 10 p.m. Maybe. If you want to just check early, you never know. They ain't going to, they ain't going to, they never do it. Just check. Early. You don't want to lose it. I'm going to watch UFC if it's on main event. Oh really? Yes, I would, I would choose. Heart. I would choose the boxing match because those are a few rare between, especially those two guys at the top of their class. Yeah, 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 yeah. But hell yeah, man! We'll fucking enjoy, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You too, man. But thank you everybody for liking, listening, subscribing. Don't forget, be your biggest fan. Leave with love.
brother from the same mother. Everyone, thanks for listening and being an undeniable perception. Everyone, stay up.